Radio is your dedicated Porsche and car podcast, taking you closer than ever to the world's finest sports cars and the culture and history behind them. Brought to you by NineWorks.co.uk, the innovative online platform for Porsche enthusiasts, NineWorks Radio is presented by Porsche journalist Lee Sibley and 993 owner and engineer Andy Brooks, with special input from friends and experts around the industry, as well as our valued listeners. Enjoy the episode. Hello, listeners. Hope you're doing well at home. Welcome to Works Radio. Welcome, Mr. Andy B. How are you, Lee? <laughs> Don't know after. Yeah, I'm very, very well. Have to say, really enjoyed the drive out Sunday in the cars. Mentioned yes. last episode about how I'd fallen out of love with that 996 a little bit. It's amazing. What a couple of hours. I think we did 100 miles gunning through Dorset, Wiltshire. We touched Somerset at one stage. It's amazing what that can do just to kind of change your opinion and perception of, of the car. Back in love with it again. Oh, yeah. Because well, it made it home. Yeah, yeah, exactly that. Yeah, no, no AA involved. Nothing but, fell um, off. Yeah, I think that Max and Neil in our previous episode have kind of pointed out that you just need seat time. And you do, I suppose, when you own a project for a period of time, you do have highs and lows. Highs and, and lows, absolutely, love with it. yeah. But um, no, it was great, mate. You know, we, we had uh, petrol flowing through our veins as well as through the cars. And, and again, it was just a great morning out and a great place to be and just made us realise, yeah, really love this car, actually. So good, brilliant good. stuff. Yeah, Brilliant it was a good stuff. good morning actually, wasn't it? So uh, weather was good. Um, it wasn't too cold, um, but it was bright. That's, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think I picked a really good route. We went sort of up towards where did we go? Sort of North Dorset over to Yeovil, and then back down um, to Dorchester. Um, yeah. But yeah, it had some nice long sort of winding, flowing roads. Um, didn't go too back roady because I didn't want to get too dirty. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great, great driving conditions. And it was really nice as well to meet uh, somebody who we have had on the podcast previously. Yes. Um, that being CJ Craig from Justice Sketch. So that yeah. was really, really nice to kind of meet him in person. That was funny, actually, because I thought, you know, that I really knew him. And then he turned up and he was much taller than I thought. And I thought, I'm sure I've met him before. Why didn't I know that? <laughs> but, <laughs> the, yeah, it was the, the first physical meet. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've spoken lots on the sort of phone and on zoom um but yeah it was it was wow this is your physical person yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah basking in the glory of craig's presence and uh, he had a really nice gift for you actually that what a lovely lovely drawing of your 993 with the, oh, amazing the side yeah. stripes really nice yeah yeah thank you very much for that craig it's so 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 much appreciated um and i'd say you know if anybody wants a similar sort of thing give craig a shout i'm sure he'll um do you one for a, a little bit of bunts? hundred uh, percent. Um, he's justice sketch on Instagram worth a follow just to admire his art, but he's been a real um, advocate and supporter of this podcast for a long, yeah. long time now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, give it, give him a follow. He's a, he's a top, top man and a talented individual. Absolutely. Yeah, that's good. Uh, amazing. What's going on with your uh, I3 then? You were saying that your daily drivers had a little bit of a, a makeover in terms of ride height. Yes. I'm uh, midway through Fitting some lowering springs and some new rear brakes. Always got a lower stuff and you've got to modify it. <laughs> pull it out of the sky. Pull it yeah. out of the sky. It's got spacers on it as well to space the wheels out a bit. So it looks a bit more uh, down to the ground and chunky. But I've not quite finished it. I've still got one one rear spring to go. <laughs> so it's currently driving along sort of slightly lopsided. <laughs> I'm going to finish that tonight. Uh, awesome. Is that like a done thing to do with the I3s to, to, to lower them or is that just something that you quite like to do? Um, well, lots of people do do it actually. There's a good set of springs called ASTs, yeah. um, which, you know, that everybody says they give you sort of factory ride quality, but just drop it an inch or so. Yeah. Um, because the I3 is quite high as standard. Um, but it, yeah, it just makes the wheels feel the arches a little bit and bring, and I've got the spaces to bring the wheels out a bit as well. So it looks, um, looks quite chunky. Yeah. Looks nice. Yeah. It's getting there. And funny, since you've bought your I3, I spot them everywhere now. It's, it's, it's amazing. Around. What, it's amazing what you see when you open your eyes. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and I see, see quite a lot of them now. So, um, yeah, you've, you've, you've definitely shown me the way on them, I think. And they are, yeah. they are a lot more popular than I ever realized just in terms of numbers on the road without yes. doubt. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot around. Very good, good on that. Good, good car. Really pleased with it. 
Excellent. Well, look, um, we'll bring on uh, today's guest shortly, but we do need to just give a bit of a shout out to next week's episode yes. because we're pretty certain it's going to be another fun one. Um, we're doing an Ask the Expert, Andy. Oh, good. What, so, who is the expert? So the expert is Chris Wright from Wright Tune, a Porsche independent specialist up in Oxfordshire. Yeah. And instead of you and I asking him questions, we thought, well, look, let's open it up to everybody listening at home. So... If you are listening at home and you've got any uh, technical Porsche questions or yeah, technical Porsche related questions. What's his um, expertise as far as models so, um, concerned? Uh, predominantly air cooled, but these okay. days um, definitely they do a lot of 996, 997 stuff as well. Okay. Um, so so anything I suppose that would fall outside of the um, official like Porsche warranty. I would say yeah. they're completely yeah. adept at. I mean, Chris's dad back in the day um, built race cars like 935s, GT1s. He's been kind of right at the right at the top of motorsport in that regard. Okay, so it could be um, an opportunity to really talk talk tech on some older stuff as well as as the newer. Cool. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. This is what I mean. I think I think we should do well to keep it nice and open. So if you've got any question like whatsoever that you'd like to know about your car or or in general, you know, you might be thinking about cars to buy and you want to know, well, look, what do I need to know ahead of an inspection or a purchase? Or you might have a problem on your car that could actually be um a bit more common than you realize. Yeah. Whatever it may be, drop us a line either on the Nine Mics Radio Instagram page or Andy's own Instagram page or my own Instagram page. Um, don't send it to Chris because he's too busy. Um, <laughs> and we want to surprise him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Maintaining, restoring, and servicing uh, Porsches of all uh, all makes to models, and that is the other thing as well. It's not just nine eleven here. It's it's anything anything uh, with the Stuttgart prancing horse affixed to the front. So, um, yeah drop us a note with your questions we will collate them and we will put the best of them to chris so that'll be on next week's episode which will be like i say a real in-depth ask the expert we can't wait to go completely anorak for that <laughs> anorak i like it <laughs> cool right who have we got on this week then well so yeah in the meantime i was going to ask you andy on your 993 yeah. do you think you spend more on factory parts or more on aftermarket parts probably more on aftermarket parts i'd say yeah i would say yeah. so looking at the car but there's a there's a lot that goes into maintaining these cars as we know i think yeah. um uh idealistically i'd be the same as you uh, but the reality is little irish that i'm kind of jokingly referring to as triggers broom nowadays um has yeah it's had a lot of new parts this year yeah. just where things have died um but in terms of what I like to spend, I like to spend money on aftermarket parts and, and like modified parts just to make yeah. that project more my own, which I think, yeah, resonates with you and hopefully people at home as well. Um, and that kind of um, hands-on approach and like enthusiast uh, modifying all restoration and whatnot is kind of where Heritage Parts Centre come in. Um, massive, massive Porsche parts um, concern that have a global reach but are based here in the uk uh shoreham shoreham on sea on the coast yep. and they really do anything from spacers to service kits to roof skins to exhausts absolutely anything you can think of these guys do um so today's guest is mr andy gregory who's uh works at heritage park center he's also a 944 owner and runs his own um kind of little events thing as well or just in his spare time so he's going to be really interesting today to have a chat to just regards to logistics of things i think that has a crossover with you andy as well in terms yeah, of yeah definitely do yeah i'd be interested to to see how they they're getting on with uh getting parts because it's not easy um no not, i yeah, work not. in the work in the industry and uh yeah it's uh it's difficult Yes, particularly with regards to like a contemporary context. But again, as an enthusiast, we buy a part and then we just look forward to it turning up. But we have no real idea as to kind of what goes into that process before the product arrives at our door. Yeah. So I'm sure Andy is going to um, fill us in on that and much more in our upcoming chat. It's worth pointing out as well that uh, if you do want any Porsche parts for so it's anything air-cooled and then 996 and 997 as well take a look at heritagepartcenter.com you can also have a look at nineworks.co.uk um 
we've we've got a lot of shop products on there as well car parts all of heritage's heritage parts catalog is on nine works um and they do a 10 percent discount for nine works so just bang in nine works 10 at the checkout and you get yourself 10 percent off all porsche parts excellent how did i not know about this well, there we go. See, this is what I mean. After this recording, I think we're both going to be hammering away and having a little look Absolutely. and see what, see what we can add to our, our uh, projects. I was down there last week, actually. And again, just walking around, it was pretty mesmerizing. It's the, the size and scale of the place and just how well oiled the machine is there is kind yeah. of what's most impressive. But you do kind of find yourself thinking oh yeah i could grab that for the project and do this and do that so your mind gets pulled in in all sorts of directions it'd be the same for you andy, dangerous sure. dangerous yeah, yeah yeah so we'll um we'll we'll get andy on and, and as i say discuss uh all of that and, and much more cool let's get him on mr andy gregory from heritage parts center welcome to nine works radio thank you very much good morning it's an absolute it is an absolute pleasure to have you on today. Um, look, I was at your place last week picking up a few service bits for the 996. What a unit. Jeez, it goes on forever. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it's a big old place. What do we say? It's 45,000 square foot. Yeah. Um, yeah, mezzanine level kind of over probably the yeah, back third of it. So, yeah, so it's a big old place. What does 45,000 square foot look like? I'm not not, not sure I know. Um, the, Football The pitch? easiest kind of way to... I don't know, actually. The easiest way I kind of describe to it is if you walked into B&Q and just imagined it was full of car parts, yeah. that's pretty much kind of okay. what it feels like walking around our place. Yeah. Isn't, um, isn't that what heaven looks like? Just, <laughs> what, just to this me? <laughs> massive, yeah, honestly, just this massive warehouse, just full of car parts. Pre, you know, well, I say predominantly Porsche. There's VW in there as well. But um, I mean, particularly for the older stuff, there's a crossover anyway. So it's all the same. <laughs> Can I come and do a, one of those dashes, you know, with the trolley? Yeah, supermarket get, sweep. Yeah, yeah, get 10 minutes and let me fill it. Go on, it's Andy, let, me, we've, let me. We've cut, I'm, yeah, I'm quite um, prone to silly ideas at work, and it's something we kind of joked about, but uh, there'd be a health and safety thing. That would be the problem, is kind of obviously people running around workshops ah, where you've got the health sharp things hanging around and stuff like that. We did, yeah. um, years ago, we did something called Win Your Wish List, so people could bang loads of stuff in their wish list online. That's good. And call. then we kind of gave, don't know a couple of grand's worth of stuff away i think there was like a thousand pound top prize and then four lots of 250 or something like that um, i can, really, I can yeah. see a Which... patreon uh, competition yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> come on yeah. andy yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes so, sorry and, janice <laughs> yeah go and talk to the powers that be come on we need to do yeah. this come on Andy. <laughs> yeah 90 seconds into the interview this is yeah. working Boom. out well so yeah, exactly. I, I better keep a tally <laughs> uh yeah no it is it is phenomenal and um, the business has been going since 1986 um started off with vw parts i mean andy you'll be better for giving like a, a top level uh, view of the business but you've recently uh or relatively recently kind of diverged into into porsche parts which is a natural ascension i suppose from vw for many of us yeah so yeah 1986 it kind of started it started with um kind of common gears basically um David, who founded the company, was going to Germany. He was buying up kind of the new old stock out the dealers and stuff over there, bringing that back and then supplying it to guys who had, um, yeah, those cars over here, basically. That escalated to Carmen Beetles and then kind of, yeah, Beetle Saloons and then Bay Window, Camper Vans, et cetera, et cetera. We've sort of, yeah, we kind of rushed through it quickly, done, yeah, Mark 1 Golf, Mark 2 Golf, VW Type 25, T4, T5 now. And then, yeah, about five years ago, we got, kind of into Porsche stuff um that came around really well, for a few reasons we're kind of Porsche enthusiasts as well so we were kind of into the cars there's a few Porsches in the company but also a lot of the suppliers we were dealing with also had kind of a decent product offering for uh, Porsche so it was a case of um yeah with kind of the expertise and the enthusiasm in the team we were able to go actually we can just tag some of this stuff onto our existing orders anyway and start kind of building that Porsche offering. Um, yeah, we'd already got see the logistics to get the stuff in. We'd already got that logistics to get the stuff out. We've got a team in place who kind of know what they're doing. We've got kind of a website, which we can obviously add to. So, um, yeah, it was kind of, it was the right time really to kind of think, let's sort of get it's into Porsche a, a as well. Natural progression, really. Yeah. Like, and it, like we've all made from owning VWs to owning Porsches. It's, the yeah, company's exactly. done the same sort of thing 
Um, and yeah, from kind of the people I've met as well, there's a lot, there is a lot of crossover. Some people obviously not, not got their Volkswagens anymore, but there is a lot of people who have, yeah, grown up with either the air-cooled stuff or they've kind of had golfs or whatever, polos, etc. So, um, yeah, they do really cross over. And if you've got, yeah, transaxle model or a number four or kind of three, five, six or whatever, you're going to find some things which uh, fit yeah. both. Okay. Yeah. Uh, is, it, is, is it always been called Heritage Parts Centre? Um, no. So originally, kind of years and years and years and years and years ago, it was called Carmen Classics. Oh, yes. Um, okay. Right, I remember. So, um, yeah, it was called Common Classics, and yeah, then it changed to VW Heritage in I want to say eighty nine. Yeah, um, I can't remember off, off exactly, but yeah, it was around then. Basically, we were VW Heritage through till I think twenty sixteen when we or yeah twenty sixteen I think where we changed to Heritage Parts Center, and that was basically with the Porsche transition. Yeah, so. Um, it, it was just a little bit confusing saying we're VW Heritage and we do Porsche stuff Porsche, as well. Yeah, yeah. We launched the Heritage Parts Centre name actually for the Porsche stuff. So we started selling under Heritage Parts Centre just for Porsche while we still had VW Heritage rolling. Yeah. Um, and that's just a bit of a, a bit of a nightmare because you're juggling two brands. You've got, yeah, two lots of social media and sure. two websites and everything. It just becomes a bit messy. So yeah, we kind of moved it all together and yeah. Um, but yeah, the the official kind of company names VW Heritage Part Center Limited. So basically, we just knock the VW off it. Yeah. Um, but we still get people calling us VW Heritage. It's it's, it's uh, yeah, I guess victim of our own success from that point of view. <laughs> yeah, the company is owned by a number of directors, so they've all been within the business for quite a long time. Uh, they joined as kind of partners. So a, uh, our CEO is a guy called Barney Dines. He. Um, He's got a 997 as it happens. He's been into kind of VWs for years and years. He had a, a Beetle on the cover of Volksworld in the early 90s. Um, then kind of alongside him, we've got a chap called Paul, uh, Paul Howard, who's our purchasing director. Him and Barney are actually childhood friends. They were um, originally from Essex. But yeah, they went to kind of school together, kind of grew up messing around on cars with each other. Um, and yeah, now they're kind of see, yeah leading the charge, if you like. Alongside them, there's a guy called Mark Rickard, who's our operations director. He's been in the company probably getting on for 30 years. So he was literally kind of, yeah, whisked, whisked off the streets almost. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, his job's kind of day-to-day, sort of making sure the warehouse all functions. Um, yeah, kind of the roof's not falling off and, and all that. Yeah, the bills yeah. get paid, etc. cetera. Um, he's also kind of got the, yeah, the task of making sure kind of the German warehouse all runs smoothly um so that's yeah the kind of the, did you say the, his the, title the, was operations director operations director yeah, yeah. My, my title is operations manager and my uh-huh. my uh list of things that i do yeah is the <laughs> si- similar it's just like everything everybody else doesn't want to do <laughs> <laughs> so yeah you got those you got those three guys then who else have you got so um yeah so we, yeah basically we've got those guys kind of at the top and um yeah. Yeah, the company, yeah, company was founded by David and Nikki, husband and wife team. They took retirement, of, yeah, a few years back. Okay, I think they, I think they still have, kind of have a, a bit of a vested interest. Then there's yeah, a company called Myler, uh, the German steering suspension company. They've got a little bit of a, an interest as well because okay. we offer their um, their UK distribution through kind of the Heritage Warehouse, so yeah. kind of double over with staff, etc. So there's a little bit of a crossover there. Um, so yeah, they've kind of got a little bit of an interest. So really, it's uh, in, it's, it's still a sort of a family-friendly kind of business yeah. that's then yeah, but, got a little bit of investment in it, but not um, you know it's got solid groundings. Yeah, very much. It's still kind of yeah open door policy. Um, yeah, they, these guys have all kind of been in the comp- in the company since kind of I guess the yeah twenties probably. Mark probably a little bit earlier. Um, so they've kind of grown up with that. But obviously, yeah, it's their baby. Yeah. Um, so it is a case of obviously they they want it to kind of yeah do do as well as it can, and yeah they're more kind of friends rather than your boss so to speak. You're kind of yeah yeah yeah, yeah. they're, they're a good good crowd. Good excellent. That's good to hear. What's that? So in, inclusive of the the VW stuff then, um, what what's the number of of, of parts it's, that you guys stock? And also, what is like the Porsche element of that? We yeah we stock around twenty five thousand different parts um then yeah of that about 20 percent is probably porsche 
Yeah. Um, so yeah, if you consider we've been going 36 years, so we've had a long, long time to get a lot of Volkswagen stuff on the shelf. Yeah. And obviously when you get into kind of new models, whether it's a Volkswagen or whether it's Porsche, you're ordering kind of a smaller amount to start with. And you kind of, you're testing the water a little bit because you don't want to end up with 20 sets of KWs on the shelf or whatever, if that's not the kit that someone wants, because yeah. that's an expensive thing to be holding on the shelf. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously that is a, a number that's growing all the time. But you do Just hold as you kind physical of stock. Um, I mean, there's, I, yeah. I've dealt with quite a few, um, what would you call parts specialists? Um, and you put your order in and then you get an email to say, oh, sorry, we haven't got that in stock at the moment. It's going to be three weeks. Um, but I think from what I've, stuff that I bought from you, I've not sort of had that issue. I was just wondering if, uh, yeah, you're, you're more sort of stockists rather than uh, resellers, I guess is there. Yeah, we, we, yeah, we try our best to do, aid basically to kind of communicate clearly to people so there's stuff which is special order so there'll be things which are either hugely expensive or things we think actually it's a little bit obscure yeah um so yeah obviously when you're buying that you're very much made aware that there's a lead time on that sure. um us our, our website is uh carries livestock so yeah what you see on the screen is basically what is on the shelf that is updating as something sold whether it's on the internet or whether that's on the telephone um, that number is changing. So yeah. in theory, yeah, basically what you're seeing is, is, is what, is what you what get. What um, you get, yeah. That, that is so important though. And like massively underrated. I, I know the company yeah. you're thinking of Andy Brooks there, which we won't name, but it, you know, if, if you have um, it's fine if you're kind of at home tinkering and you, you know, you might, begrudge it slightly because it ruins your saturday job but you think well okay i can you know it's not the car's not a daily driver i can leave yeah. it till next weekend when the part turns up that's fine but if your car is on a ramp at, at you know a specialist or a garage whatever um you know you, when you order the parts you need the parts yeah um, yeah well you, you need you need the truth don't you that's what when you yeah. when you press the button to say order you want to know that it's actually in stock and that it's going to arrive uh where i've yeah. i've i've tried well i've heard lots of stories of a few different places of you know people have ordered a part. So they somebody ordered some spacers um, for a nine six four, um, and I think it took about six weeks to get some spacers. And it was just like, really, yeah. Especially when you know there are three kind of main um, categories that come into it when you purchase a product, um, and it's price point, quality, and, and also delivery. If you're going to be waiting a long time, it kind of tends to put you off, and you might think, yeah. "Well, actually, I'd rather spend a couple more quid, but but get it a bit sooner." It's, you Absolutely. know, it's how the world works. So, yeah. um, another thing, actually, um, Andy G, that I really appreciate on your website is in the top right-hand corner, you've got a toggle that turns on uh, UK tax on or off. Now, I really like this because, again, it's a bit of a pet hate. It's similarity to what Andy Brooks was saying about um, you purchase a part and then. You know, from other places, and actually, you get an email saying, "Well, actually, we haven't got it yet. We'll let you know when it's in." Um, the other thing is, you know, you rack your basket up. Sometimes you're going to a budget, then you go through to checkout, then the VAT is added oh, on yeah. afterwards. Yeah. And when the parts rack up, that that the difference could be hundreds. You know, yeah. Um, and you know, I've, especially I've on a nine nine six. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Need a lot of parts. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just replenishing Trigger's broom for another month. Um, Christ, that sounds terrible. Um, so, um, but yeah, so that is a real kind of pet hate. So I, I love that about your site. That So um, for us UK guys, obviously, we leave it on because with VAT, we've got to take into consideration for the international guys. Um, they're catered for as well. Toggle it off and happy day. So kudos to you for that. Kudos. Yeah, that's a, it's a big thing. And obviously, we part of our business is also selling to garages and um, kind of yeah wholesalers as well. So um, obviously they might want to shop with, with or without VAT with, with the same thing. You can shop in euros, you can shop in dollars, shop in Aussie dollars. Um, so yeah, it's all just that flexibility. So someone gets kind of the experience they want. And then also we've got languages as well. So you've got German, Spanish, we've got Italian as well now. Um so yeah, it's just a case of, so yeah, when you go there, you've got the opportunity to kind of shop how you want to shop. And yeah, you, when you get to the basket, you kind of not got any nasty surprises. Yeah. 
Um, there's there's a great uh, breadth of choice as well, which is what I like. I mean, again, just walking around uh, your place the other day, and we'll, we'll put a YouTube up uh, video about it soon. Um, but there was all sorts, right from what we called, uh, was it the, like the granddad's greenhouse aisle, which was just full of like little tiny nuts and bolts that are just as important as yeah, one yeah. another, all the way up to uh, roof skins. What did you call it? Granddad's. and everything in between granddad's greenhouse if you imagine like this really kind of narrow aisle oh, yeah. it's not too narrow to be fair but like um an aisle that's on either side these little boxes stacked high okay yeah, um, yeah. with obviously you know they're open boxes uh, with holes in the front so you can get your hands in and, and you know inside every box granddad's you've got yeah Love it. Do, do you know what i mean but every, yeah, yeah, every, yeah. everybody's granddad has traditionally had like this old you know battle yeah, box bo- of uh, boxes of washers shit, yeah. do, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean, it's just like in here, I've got three. You've not been in my garage. Different sizes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to refer to your age, Andy. That's what I did. <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's yeah, it's it's kind of similar to that. I thought that as a was a absolutely bang on description. I really did yeah, because again, no, no. you've got all these kind of little boxes and trays everywhere with you know different yeah bolts, uh, you know nuts, washers, all of this kind of bits and pieces. Yeah. But they're all um. I mean, it was all incredibly neat, Andy. I have to say, like walking around, and again, for you know, you mentioned forty-five thousand parts. The the potential for, um, or sorry, twenty-five thousand parts. The potential for that to go, well, carnage basically, and things to go <laughs> awry is just massive, isn't it? So, um, for, for, I was really impressed at just how much everything was kind of kept in check there, and everything was like neat and tidy. Which I know you, you, you have to do, but even so, there's a difference between it needing to be in it and and the reality actually becoming so. Yes, that's. Um, I think yeah, we try and cater for all manners of kind of the project, whether it is kind of a literally a nut and bolt restoration, or it is just a case that yeah, you've been doing something at the weekend and try as you might, you can't find the missing screw because it's gone somewhere in the gravel on your driveway or whatever it might be then yeah yeah have three screws for whatever yeah door panel or whatnot so um yeah it is kind of all and everything in between i have to say i mean we'll we'll talk about your own uh, personal 944 a little bit later on but um do you not just find as you're kind of walking around there on a day-to-day basis that you're just like building like 10 project cards in your head because again last week walking around i was seeing parts and my brain was going, oh, I didn't realise how much I wanted that. And oh, oh, I need it, actually. I don't want it. I need it. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, like, again, like working there in that regard must be an absolute nightmare. Like, it's, um, you know? Yeah, it does, it does kind of get to a stage where, um, yeah, was, yeah, we're kind of buying stuff. And then you get docked out your wages for what you bought. <laughs> what you bought and you're like, oh, no. So it's another Negative month where pay. I've not been paid properly. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't yeah it doesn't get to that kind of cr- crazy because yeah they've obviously been stung in the past where kind of people run up thousands of pounds worth of bits on their <laughs> account and you're like yeah you need to rein it in yeah um but yeah just kind of yeah 100 200 quid here like yeah, running up to the mot on the 944 it would just seem kind of everything i did i just need i broke something and then i needed the next thing <laughs> and um yeah that was just a f- yeah a few horrible months well surely you must have the most immaculate 944 in the uk then surely no <laughs> <laughs> it's, mint, it's mint if you squint <laughs> i like that that's a good one that's awesome very good yeah yeah so come on then so um let's let's dive into this 944 just a little bit i know it's your kind of your private and kind of yeah personal ha- uh, hobby and passion but how long have you had the car um give us a bit of an idea on it i know you shared your story on our instagram page earlier this year uh, but for those yeah. that didn't see that listening at home if you wouldn't mind giving so, us a rundown yeah i found myself kind of um with a small amount of inheritance which i wasn't kind of expecting and kind of previously if kind of i've come into a little bit of money i've done the sensible thing and kind of done the kitchen or like, had the heating replaced or something like that and I was like, actually, yeah, I'm going to do something for me. And as a kid, I always kind of fancied a 944. There was, when I used to walk to school, there was one kind of literally behind my house. So I'd walk past that. One of the teachers had a 944. And there was just something kind of cool about it. And actually kind of in reflection, I look back and I'm always drawn to kind of the underdog. Like I've had Mark II Jettas. I've had countless polos. And it's just, yeah, something about the kind of the unsung hero, if you like. So, yeah, I uh, went and bought a 944. Um, I set out to buy kind of a really tidy S2 probably and what I bought was 
slightly shabby 2.5, which was modified mm. and messed around with. But yeah, I took it for a test drive. The guy was a customer actually at work. He came and met me after work one Saturday and he was like, yeah, you can have a go. So we, yeah, we took it for a blast up the road and the gears were really tight. Um, yeah, the driving position was really nice. It felt balanced. It was fast enough without being kind of silly. And it was kind of half the money I was going to spend. So I was like, okay, this is sort of sensible here. So yeah, I jumped on it. So yeah, I've had it three years. I've um, yeah done a couple of track days in it. Um, yeah, and it's kind of been my gateway into kind of the Porsche community, really. When I when we started doing Porsche stuff at work, um, I wanted to kind of get sort of really deep and immersed in it, basically, because of my role at, at Heritage is kind of in marketing and PR and kind of community stuff. I wanted to be going to the Porsche meets in a Porsche and kind of talking to people as a as an equal rather than just rocking up kind of, yeah, in whatever I was driving at the time, sort of squirreling it around the corner, then walking in almost like a salesman trying to sell someone something. I, I wanted to be there. I can see you in your Porsche different. outfit with your Porsche hat and your Porsche coat. Uh, yeah, getting out of a polo. I don't, quite, <laughs> I don't quite go that far. Yeah, I'm not Good. sort of... Um, but yeah, I kind of wanted to be there as an equal, not kind of selling people stuff, making friends. And then, yeah, if it comes to it and someone goes, oh, do you know where to get this from? Be like, oh, actually, yeah, we do these at work. And you kind of already got that friendship, which is sort of built rather than kind of doing a hard sell on someone and yeah, appearing kind of like a fish out of water. So that's the 944, I guess, in a nutshell. Yeah. Has, um, you know, you, you, you mentioned that you've uh, like courted one for quite a while. So was the reality as good as the dream? Um, yeah, I guess so. It's, yeah, I had some hiccups along the way. So yeah, obviously dr- driving it, um, driving it home, I lost indicators. So I kind of drove it along the A27 and I got kind of, yeah, half, halfway home, I guess, to discover I didn't have any indicators. I was like, no, what am I, I pulled over at a pub, phoned the guy. He was like, yeah, it's never happened to me. I was like, okay. Yeah. So checking all the fuses and then, um, yeah, then I kind of have to just run the gauntlet on the way back. So that sort of took a little just, bit of Just the, driving um, like a BMW driver. Fine. <laughs> I, I don't know if you've ever driven either knowing that you've not got indicators or knowing you've not got brake lights is even worse but you you've just become massively self-conscious and you're like yeah i'm that person but you've got a second guess what everyone behind you is doing and you kind of start planning your routes to you you're only turning left and things like that just to make it easier for other or i did maybe other people wouldn't but you kind of I make think, it uh, easier for other people the highway code says you can use your hand signals if yeah, not. yeah <laughs> well, I suppose other people were, were giving you hand signals. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yeah, I got home to discover that, yeah, that, w- that was the issue. Um, so yeah, kind of pleased as punch with my car. It was then I probably then sp- spent, I don't know, a few weeks not using it because it had that issue. Um, oh, there's a heater problem as well. The heaters wouldn't blow kind of the blowers wouldn't blow cold. So it went back to the guy I bought it from for a, three or four weeks, actually. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a little bit up and down. The the indicator issue, as it happened, I discovered that if the indicators stopped working, I could turn the hazard light switch on and off, and that would then jump start the indicators. They'd work again. So three <laughs> three years into ownership, I bought a new hazard switch for twenty quid, like second hand on eBay, and it's fixed the problem. So I'm just like I put up with that issue. <laughs> I've been putting up with it for three years. <laughs> for, for almost three years. Oh my um, god. And um yeah, what do they say about mechanics cars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, um, so yeah, I I fixed the issue. It doesn't seem to have come back, but um, yeah, just little things like that. But yeah, generally speaking, it's um, what's, yeah, what's it's the been plan for it? You got any, um, any modification plans? It, yeah, it's modified as it was. So I bought it kind of modified. It's on gas coilovers. It's got um turbo anti-roll bars uh, it's got 968 cut mirrors script yeah. door handles um and it's got yeah dank stainless exhaust on it um it's been chipped so yeah it's been kind of messed around with a bit yeah. i want to yeah tidy it up it's been repainted so it's not the original color it's a Mitsubishi color um which was yeah done i guess many years ago by someone who was partially sighted i think probably his dog helped as well um, <laughs> so it's, it's not the best paint job um it looks good on instagram so i always go kind of get comments saying oh, it really looks really great but don't look too close <laughs> or i'm a good or or i'm a good photographer um 
What was that so, tone? Yeah, what was that quote? Squint and it's, it's mint. It's mint if you squint. Mint. <laughs> it's mint, mint if you squint. Yeah, that's um, courtesy of Dave, who I work with. He used to say that's that about brilliant. all his cars. I love that. Um, and yeah, basically, kind of. Yeah, I had a polo. I've just literally, I've just sold that. So that's kind of. I've now got a little bit of a fun to kind of just do the the sort of little jobs on it. Yeah. Some other service stuff, and then yeah, hopefully a bit more track stuff. Um, fit. Yeah, three-point seatbelts in the back so I can get the kids in and, um, yeah, go and do some kind of driving around. Yeah, lovely. They've had a little bit of an uptick in value since you bought them, since you, since you bought yeah, yours. Yeah, a, a little bit. There seems to be a bit more in, interest in it. Um, have you driven one? Have you had any experience with um, it? I don't think I've ever driven one, no. No, I've not. No, 924, 944 or 968. No. I put obviously all of them together. I've never, never had that experience. So we'll call you out on it then, Andy. You're saying you, you throw other people the keys. Maybe um, at an event next time, you give it to yeah, Nightworks yeah. Radio and Andy Brooks and I can go off and have a bit of a giggle with it. Oh, Andy will have a field day with rattles and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, you're more, more than welcome to uh, yeah take, take it for a blast. On. Well, I mean, conversely to that, have you driven uh, an i eleven Andy or anything like? To I've give driven a, some sort of comparison to. Yeah. Um, I I had a quick go in. Ian Harris had a um, an RS replica grey one. Oh yeah, nine six four. Yeah, I drove that uh, probably kind of a couple of miles up and down a road doing some, doing some photography. Um, and I've driven a nine nine seven. So I've, yeah, I've driven a couple actually. I've driven a. Uh, 4S and, and my boss has got a Carrera. So yeah, I've driven those too. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I bet a 964, you know, especially in like terms of timeline, that's a reasonable kind of comparison yeah. between the two. Yeah. yeah. Obviously his one, yeah, was a bit more sprightly and, yeah. and yeah, then obviously you couple with that, with the fact that, yeah, it's worth six, seven times more than what you, what you own. And yeah, it's got a bunch more power, but yeah, it was, yeah, it's good fun. Be, um, Again, it's coming from a, a position of pure negligence on my behalf, but, um, you know, looking at, at the transaxle cars, particularly inside, you kind of, you think, oh, okay, so that's from a, a 964 era car. That, oh, that's a bit 3.2 in there, 3.2 Carrera. So it's quite interesting to see how different bits kind of well, filter through bobs, onto yeah. those tra- transaxle cars. Yeah. yeah. Um, the and early and late's quite different as well. I've got a friend who's got a really early one. Like the square dash model, yeah. Um, he's he's cammed his actually to be fair, but it's yeah, it just feels a lot more nimble, a lot lighter, and he's just kind of yeah, go, let's go, let's go, let's go. And whereas mine just kind of feels a bit more sort of cruisy, especially mm. with the gears as well. Yeah. So um, yeah, if someone's looking to get into one, be kind of, I guess depending on what they want to do with it, but um, yeah, driving early ones and late ones and uh, yeah, very typical Porsche on that where it's kind of yeah those subtle differences as we've said before on the pod that end up to um they, they mean quite a lot they you know the sum of their parts is usually quite large um and again as we've said before the the transaxle cars are there to be taken very seriously i mean at one stage Porsche were were replacing the 911 with those cars so there's no getting away from mm. it. Yeah. um so it's a real kind of important piece of Porsche history that um media outlets ourselves included perhaps haven't given enough love to so it's as i say andy it's great that you've come on here and just shone a little bit of a light on on that era and that type of car not a problem i think yeah it's um it's definitely one to consider and yeah you can get into one for yeah i guess a less than a mark one mark two gti it's kind of it's it's still in that kind of accessible um price bracket and they're not hugely, hugely complicated. Like if you want to span on it yourself at home, um, it's kind of doable. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right then. Um, well, look, you uh, mentioned to me when I visited last week about um, you've done events at the uh, at Heritage Park Centre before. And again, yeah, yeah. like tipping up to the place, it's a massive, massive bit of land. I've not been to any of the um, events yet. Very much look forward to doing so. But pre-COVID, you were doing quite a lot in terms of events, you guys. Yeah, we run um, something called Heretics, obviously a little play on the word heritage. Um, and they've been going since 2009, I think. So they met, oh, obviously wow. started very, very VW focused. Uh, the last couple of years, obviously we sort of pushed and tried to get a bigger Porsche kind of contingent in. Um, but yeah, it's basically, it's a pop-up show within kind of two or three hours on a Thursday night. And we run them kind of April through to September. They start about half five-ish, run through till nine. We have kind of someone DJing. We have kind of a hot food wagon. 
um yeah pre-covid we'd have the shop open so kind of people come do like late night shopping or whatever come and order the bits or pick someone's brains if they got a question and we can get we get about 150 cars kind of off the street where we are we can get about 50 in the front yard under the canopy and then kind of another 100 up the side and we get everything kind of we get three five sixes we've had we had carl cops come down in 991 rs um that was pretty cool yeah um We've had, yeah, 914s. We had a German couple over in a 924. Um, yeah, we see a whole range of Volkswagens. Then you get kind of the occasional like old BMW or Rock Up or kind of, a, like, yeah, 70s Datsun or something. So, yeah, it's a real kind of mixture of stuff. And, yeah, it just brings us closer to to our customers, really. Yeah. Well, I think, yeah, that's, that's what it's all about, isn't it, Andy? So, Is that kicking yeah, off again next a, year? Yeah, that's the plan. Yeah, obviously we kind of had a bit of a hold for yeah. um, for COVID, um, but yeah, that will be the plan. We'll kind of do those. We toyed with doing them this year, but the, the problem would be that we didn't know how many people would turn up. Like obviously, because events were a bit limited up until then. Um, yeah, we couldn't cope with five hundred cars turning up. Yeah. Just be complete chaos. So yeah there's there's real i mean you know you talk about the um the space you've got outside and whatnot but i mean like particularly uh like your goods in area the space there there's quite a lot I, i've looked you know and thought oh you could get a couple of cars in there and almost do like a Luftgekult style thing where you've got you know yeah. the cars just dotted all over the warehouse but um obviously mr health and safety comes along and spoils that and then you've got yeah. the issue of people were uh, half inching things off your shelves <laughs> basically so yeah we have to be kind of a little bit careful as to um yeah how many people you kind of let in at once um and yeah we've done some photo shoots in there but it's always been kind of a very limited number we've done some nighttime stuff in the with nick williams and things like that so um yeah it, it lends itself quite well for um sort of photographs yeah yeah so obviously globally there's been uh supply issues for absolutely everything in 2021 automotive has been particularly affected uh, affected sorry with um the chips semiconductors yeah. so you guys are you know predominantly logistics it's a massive part of your business so um yeah how if have you been affected <laughs> um so yeah obviously we've got kind of a, a, num a number of things really if we look at sort of pandemic um to start with things were yeah fairly good really you obviously you lock a load of car enthusiasts at home tell them they can't go out and they go in the garage and start tinkering and naturally they're going to need some stuff <laughs> yeah. um obviously that's kind of played out sort of longer term that yeah as factories are closing in various countries around the world then that obviously then knocks down into a into a supply chain issue so even if you've got a ton of stuff on the shelf at some point obviously you're going to sell that out and to replenish it is then taking a bit longer um if you kind of add on to that the fact that shipping is now a lot a lot more expensive there's less flights um kind of a container like if we sort of pick an argument say it was kind of which was sort of 1500 pounds is now kind of five grand or something like that to get a container of stuff in so see all your prices are going to have to go up as well yeah and, and you know unfortunately there are things that you have to, I suppose, pass on or, or manage elsewhere because you have to protect your, you know, your profit margins essentially. Yeah, and that's yeah, obviously something that yeah you've got to keep a keep an eye on. Um, that yeah, make sure you're still a business rather yeah, than yeah. <laughs> just. A, um, so yeah, that's obviously one side of it. We had kind of Brexit kicked in a couple of years ago or something. Um, we've opened a place a distribution center in Bremen in Germany, so that's kind okay. of helping us with that so that yeah. um customers who are ordering from within the eu are now served um through our distribution center in bremen so they're not getting caught with kind of additional taxes um so we're supplying that both directly from our premises in shoreham so from kind of our main headquarters but also we've got international shipments coming into there um so some kind of rules where you'll get taxed with stuff going into the UK as you, as we buy it. And also there'll be taxes as you sell it out. So if we can hold it in Europe and not get caught up in that, then um, that obviously makes sense. So um, yeah, that opened the beginning of this year. Um, so yeah, that's obviously a step in that direction to kind of see, make sure we beat Brexit, so to speak, um, and kind of are able to keep serving. Yeah. Our European um, customers. 
Yeah, and and that and I mean it's a it's a clever idea for yourselves, but also like for for customers as well. It's a huge benefit. Um, but is uh, is that all accessed via your same website essentially? So yeah, your customer will place an order exactly the same. See if they're in Germany and they speak German, they can shop on a German website. So it's all translated. Yeah, um, we spent a lot of time kind of translating stuff properly. So it's not just kind of translating a storybook where it just kind of be word for word. If you translate technical stuff wrong, it it's it's wrong <laughs> it kind of just doesn't yeah. make sense um so yeah that's all done we've got german speakers on the telephone we've got italian speakers french etc cetera, etc cetera. so yeah we really do try and um help people if there's kind of yeah if there's a language barrier there to make sure we've got someone they can physically talk to as well as serving them online but yeah if you're in in germany or even kind of southern ireland or whatever you could order online and it will come from there if it's not in stock in in Bremen, then it, you'll, you'll get a message which will basically say it'll get be, I don't know, a week or whatever, because what we've got to do is ship it from Shoreham to Bremen to then send it out again yeah. so that it all kind of, it jumps through the right hoops, um, uh, yeah, for the tax ban and all, and for import and all the rest. So, um, yeah, you don't get stung at the end of the day. Nightmare. It's, it's cracking. Yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And again, you know, logistics has been a challenge. So um, so that was Brexit. And then, of course, we had uh, this little <laughs> pandemic that a few people have mentioned from time to time. Yeah. So, I don't know about you, but um, sort of the last year of the pandemic has been, just been crazy because I work in a motorcycle accessories company. Um, and I think you may have alluded to this earlier. You know, there's loads of guys that are sat at home, not going out, not going on holiday. They've got a, bit, a spare bit of cash in there pockets and they're yeah yeah they're buying bits for their bikes and i'm sure that that was the same for you guys so while your warehouse is not being fulfilled um it's being sucked dry by all of these guys <laughs> beavering away in their garages yeah we've have um obviously yeah we have a purchasing team who literally it's their job to kind of yeah order that stuff in and they've got kind of predict predictive ordering so like yeah clever things which work out how many they think or forecasting yeah. how many they think they're going to sell so obviously they're able to tweak that knowing that stuff's taking a bit longer, they'll get some more in, et cetera. They can monitor, yeah, what's moving fast, what's what's not selling, et cetera. So, um, yeah, they're trying to keep on top of that as much as possible. But has yeah, that you been pretty start... successful? Yeah, fa- fairly good. You get you get caught out. There'll be kind of factories which, yeah, have closed kind of South America, for example, has been kind of, yeah, just play like, whole lockdowns across countries where yeah. people just can't go out. So, yeah, whatever's being made in that factory isn't being made for six months. There's power shortages i think in china at the moment so yeah. there's kind of production numbers are, are, are down yeah stuff's taking longer to get here but yeah we're, we're getting there i think that the big thing is just communicating that with people so that people are aware that yeah when you come to the site if it says it's there it's there if yeah. it's not we'll kind of give you a it might be six to eight weeks which kind of sounds crazy but at least you know it's six to eight weeks yes yeah um and then you can kind of make a call on that and generally speaking it's going to be six to eight weeks wherever you go I found um, Japan has been the biggest um, problem. Okay. So we buy a lot of connectors um, from Japan and other electronic components. Um, and we, there's one component that we buy at the moment, and that's on an 88-week delivery. Ooh. Wow. Ouch. <laughs> I mean, that's just crazy, isn't it? So, yeah, trying to, trying to sort of get through that mire sometimes is just like, whoa, how do you do this? Yeah, eighty-eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's a well, it's a it's a connector that's used in the automotive industry. Uh, it's yeah. quite a popular connector, and I think basically, you know, they they close the factory for uh, maybe six months. Uh, they had yep. stock, um, and now all the automotive companies are buying huge amounts of stock where normally it would all be just in time. Um, so yeah, it's eighty-eight weeks because they've got eighty-eight weeks worth of orders of stacked up there already for bits for cars so, yeah yeah absolutely it's tough and and, and as, you, as you've both kind of rightly pointed out when your business kind of runs on that logistical side of getting things in to then get them back out again i can only imagine just how much of a nightmare that can really be at times you know yeah so um you know you've got especially for like the enthusiasts there's like it's a pain but it's certainly not a life or death situation if you you know you can't get hold of whatever it is you need for your car just to continue your project but for for a business it's it's a livelihood so mm. 
Um, on that note, Andy, as well. So uh, I think I mentioned to you last week, the thing I really like about Heritage is you've got a lot of air-cooled like, parts. Um, and in actual fact, you're, from a Porsche perspective, you, you're predominantly air-cooled over the water-cooled stuff. There's a bit of 996, a little bit of 997 in there, but otherwise it's, it's properly classic stuff, which is awesome. Yeah, from, from our point of view, kind of, yeah, what we do works best when you've got people who are restoring vehicles, kind of got the older vehicles. Generally speaking, if they're kind of having to break out a welder or yeah, kind of doing some body work and stuff, then the other stuff kind of comes with that. If you've got body work, then generally people will be buying kind of rubber seals. They'll be buying the trim once they've painted it, potentially doing kind of the interior. Then you end up with kind of a full range. Like the, the newer stuff, I guess you might tell me different, but they, the 996, 997, not kind of hearing horror stories of them rotting away on people's driveways at the moment so that's more kind of a tuning and a sort of an accessories market for us at the moment um and i guess it will come um as we find with kind of like the transporters as well that people are now starting to kind of, especially with the t4s sort of do some bodywork and things on those yeah. and that that kind of range is really picking up because of that but um that's kind of a little bit of a i guess a threshold for us is that as people sort of clock onto that and they start doing that restoration work, then um, yeah, the other stuff kind of comes with it. And also the, the manufacturers will start kind of looking and going, look, there's an opportunity here. We're able to go, actually people are asking us for this repair panel for argument's sake and no one's got it. So we can sort of investigate whether or not we should make it and make it available. Um, so yeah, that's kind of where we're at. So yeah, hence, yeah, the, the stuff for, yeah, I guess 964, the air-cooled stuff, 903, G-body, and, yeah, the older ones as well. So, Well, again, there's such, like, a big crossover there, um, particularly in terms of, like, body panels and whatnot. So it kind of makes sense that if you can do one, you can do them all, really. Yes, pretty much. And, obviously, there's also the kind of the yeah, the popularity of backdating, kind of hot-rodding, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that's kind of popular people sort of, yeah, making the uh, the newer ones look a little bit older and, they can then pick and choose if they want wide arches, if they want different bonnet, kind of um, that sort of stuff. Yeah. With um, with all those parts, what um, sort of part quality, what sort of manufacturers do you utilise? Um, is any of it original equipment? What's the, the sort of breakdown of that? Or do you have different levels of, so, um, I don't know, to take a, a set of ignition leads for a 993, do you do original like equipment ones and then some performance ones and then cheap ones what's the what's the sort of yeah, well, range of parts that you do if yeah if there's um if there's versions available we'll try and normally offer kind of a version potentially kind of a yeah oe quality and then maybe a like a reproduction quality for example um yeah the porsche stuff i'm pretty sure we do um performance leads for those as well um if we can we might offer um, kind of an own brand on like the leads for example um so we might yeah we manufacture some of the eight eight kind of ht leads and stuff like that ourselves as well so we'll try and kind of offer that as the as sort of the equivalent we tend not to sell a huge amount of original porsche stuff um we'll offer it where kind of people maybe are going to order that as alongside other stuff maybe for a service or something along those lines where they want I don't know, genuine Porsche filter, for example, or st- specific things which are only available genuine Porsche, but we're not in the business of taking the whole Porsche catalogue and kind of sticking our name on it because, yeah. yeah, Porsche already do that. Obviously, they're getting more and more into it with Porsche Classic as well. Um, so, yeah, where we want to kind of be is obviously the, the opportunity for people to order stuff from maybe various different suppliers, but all under one roof. Okay. Um, and what I'm and getting do- from that as well is that it's more you're looking for supplying the parts that maybe Porsche don't supply. So a repair panel for a particular bit of bodywork that um, Porsche might not, you know, see that as something that they want to get involved in. Yeah, potentially where, yeah, maybe you can only buy a wing from Porsche and actually you only want to repair the bottom corner of it. Yeah. So, yeah, if there's a, bo- a, a repair available then yeah we'll kind of offer that panel wise we do a lot of the danks panels they've got yeah. kind of a massively comprehensive um range and actually yeah you can pay more for the for the porsche stuff um but yeah generally speaking whoever's going to be fitting those is going to have to do some work regardless of what of what you're buying um so yeah it's down to you really but um yeah they're, they're pretty serviceable panels and um yeah a lot of people kind of swear by them 
Well, I think yeah, so, uh, an- another big thing that kind of separates you from from Porsche is, I mean, uh, you know, Porsche insist on um, genuine parts only. So if you if you rock up to Porsche and you you know I've had it before, you want to fit X Y Z, it's not genuine part. They either say no or they make you sign a waiver to say that Porsche is not responsible. Um, you know, for for the the fate of the part on the car, basically. Whereas you know, yeah, you guys. I mean, again, you know, last week we were looking at a backdate panel. You'd you'd never get that through Porsche ordinarily. Um, right. so it's 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 an alternative look and again we say this uh, about the industry generally and the scene is you know different people like to do different things there are lots yeah. of like little different niches and stuff um some people just want a, a fastidious approach to the factory spec and the factory look others like andy and i i would say that, that you know predominantly we fit more aftermarket or modified or performance parts to our 911s than we do factory parts simple as that and i think you guys lend into that a bit more yeah, I think so. That's kind of, yeah, obviously bringing those things out. And yeah, we, we'll we try and tell you kind of our, our honest appraisal of something. Like if there's a brand there and we kind of think, yeah, it's really good, we'll kind of tell you it's top quality or it's, um, yeah, it might even be kind of an OE supply. It might just be probably the same part that you get in the Porsche box. It's just, it's in there, it's in their box. You've got brands like Myla, for example, you had the uh, kind of suspension parts from them. So yeah, kind of good quality stuff, stuff that's kind of, almost over-engineered to, to solve a problem, make it last longer. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of different things for, for different people, really. Some people are just going to order from, from Porsche, and we're kind of accepting of that. We're not trying to yeah. turn anyone or com- convert someone. But, yeah, if you need that part, if you need it next day, um, yeah, if maybe you're not on kind of, yeah, main dealer budget or whatever it might be, um, then... Yeah, this is kind of the, the options for you. We'll kind of tell it how it is. We'll take some yeah nice pictures of it. If it needs an illustration, we'll kind of sort an illustration out. We'll write a description, tells you what it does, where it fits, potentially why you're going to need to fit it. Um, so, yeah, make it as easy as possible for people. And then if you're still stuck, give us a call. Nice. Brilliant. Nice bit of Absolutely nice bit of customer service there. It is, yeah, and it's nice bit of intel as well from from our point of view as customers. Um, Andy Brooks, I know you you work in the industry a bit with motorcycles, so you you probably see it more from um, from Andy G's side as well. But f- you know, from my point of view as a customer, you know, you, you go online, you trawl through a website, find the part, click, and then you wait for it to turn up, and there's the anticipation, the excitement as you wait for it, a new modification for the car and whatnot. Um, but really, we have no idea how how these things work. And again, we're going to show in a YouTube video coming up the system that the guys use at Heritage Part to find even the, the you know mo- the smallest part and to locate that in in minutes and have it out the door and on the way to you and stuff is is kind of pretty trick. So it's a decent insight here that I think we're given into how this kind of side of the industry works. Yeah, I think um, yeah, it's 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 progressed a lot even since kind of I I joined like when I first joined. We had, um, yeah, obviously a lot, a lot less parts. We were in a much smaller building, but things were almost kind of, yeah, where someone left them. You're like, where's this? And then, oh, it's just on the end of that <laughs> aisle. There, there were kind of like, there were locations which were literally kitchen or bathroom or something like that. And it, um, yeah, they used to store particular things just in that room. And it was like, okay, yeah, something's in there. And then when we moved, <laughs> when, for we moved to Bur- <laughs> when we moved to Burgess Hill in 2009, I think 2008, um, the whole warehouse was kind of reorganized. They organized it. So the stuff we are picking and packing the, and selling the most of is nearest to the guys who are doing the dispatch. Um, the the picking lists we were using at the time um, were printing it. So it sort of snakes you around the, the warehouse kind of in a particular order. So you're not sort of backing and forthing. Um, the handheld machines they now use. So we barcoded everything. Um, so the guys, when they're picking stuff, they scan the shelf to make sure it's the right shelf. They scan the part to make sure it's the right barcode. So everything is about sort of reducing the chance of a mistake. Yeah. Um, we we already put kind of lefts and rights of things in different places um, to sort of try and make that easier. But obviously, the, if something's barcoded, you've got to pick it up. You've got to scan it and put it in the box. Um, yeah, it's just kind of trying to reduce the chances of getting it wrong. Um so yeah, there's been a lot of time and money kind of spent on developing that system and making it as as slick as possible. And even still, there's kind of other things where you kind of think, oh, maybe we can do this better, etc. And they're still kind of juggling stuff around, making it move kind yeah. of through the system. We've got like a, a roller system between 
where the guys pack the boxes. So rather than kind of having to pick a box up and move it, it's all always kind of on the on the rollers, just moving closer and closer to where they then pack it and stick a label on. So yeah, well thought so out. It's very, very much a well-oiled machine, and again, yeah. we'll uh, we'll illuminate that a little bit more on Nineworks TV on YouTube oh. in in, the, in a few weeks. How big's the team, Andy? Um, we've probably got I don't know about seventy people, probably in total. Yeah. Um, I guess yeah, there might be I don't know 25, 30 people, probably in kind of the warehouse across like goods in dispatch, um, that kind of situation. We've got a purchasing team. We've got kind of our tech sales team so they've got obviously the product knowledge they are sort of looking at developing new products but they're also kind of handling some customer inquiries yeah then obviously you've got yeah accounts hr marketing it and we've got a few people who work remotely as well we've got a guy who's based in the us um who deals with kind of trade customers over there we've got a guy in um, southeast asia in indonesia um so he deals with kind of yes sales over in southeast asia We've got a um, girl in France, a couple of people in Germany. Um, so, yeah, we're sort of dotted around, but most of us are yeah in the UK. Yeah, I think the question on everybody's mind, certainly on mine is, uh, how much do you spend a year on cardboard? Particularly <laughs> 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 with reference to oh. cardboard boxes and wrapping paper. Probably about uh, twice yeah. as much as last year, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't even yeah, know I, how I, much cardboard's <laughs> gone up in the last year. It's just crazy. That's another one of my... One of my things is getting hold of cardboard and how much it's costing is just madness. But go on, back to you, Andy. I, yeah, I don't know the answer to it. We, obviously, Lee, you came around and we've got racks and racks of boxes of kind of every different size. But we are also very conscious of, yeah, kind of recycling as well. As as much as boxes are coming out, we've got boxes and boxes coming in. So if we've got the opportunity to reuse those, um, we will, yeah, kind of recycle and send stuff out in a in a box that's already been used. So um we do that and then anything we can't kind of yeah, reuse is compacted and then recycled. So absolutely spot on. Andy, you've, you've got a little events, some well, like weekend events that you run, uh, Stuttgart South. Um, tell us about those. So, yes. Um, yeah. I started that um, kind of beginning of 2020, really just before kind of, yeah, the world went mad. Um, <laughs> perfect the, timing. Oh yeah. We, um, see, we do the events at uh, work, the heritage, events we were talking about and um i'm also a member of porsche club gb but i felt there was kind of something uh, there was kind of a gap there for something which was a bit kind of less formal maybe less formal than the porsche clubs which are kind of a lot of them are sort of meeting in the back room of a pub where you kind <laughs> of walk in and you're meeting people who have all known each other for 20 years and you kind of turn up and it's a little bit daunting and I'm kind of obviously from a VW background where we stand around in car parks and talk. I was like, okay, I think there's an opportunity to do more of this with the Porsche stuff. Um, so yeah, I stopped, I kind of started an Instagram page um, and with kind of a vision to doing some events and obviously, yeah, lockdowns, et cetera came. Um, but then, yeah, I did the first events kind of July or August or something like that. I think yeah. 2020 um, they started off, I think we could have 30 people or something in, in one place. And it was just a case of we'll find a public place where you can buy a parking ticket to be there. Like everyone's kind of doing that. No one's running around hugging, kissing each other. We're all kind of in little sort of groups anyway. And um, yeah, we'll kind of get together. So did a few of those and yeah, kind of people got into them and um, I've done, I think six now. The biggest oh. one we've had was, yeah, was over a hundred cars at Big Red Hunting Club in Lewis. Um, and yeah just the kind of the fact that you can turn up if you want to turn up you've not got to be a member it doesn't matter what you drive um yeah it's just kind of all, all are welcome so yeah um, been, then, been yeah, successful then yeah it's going well and i'm looking at kind of options for kind of next next year i suppose and obviously with that i'm meeting people who potentially yeah i might be able to kind of help in my day job with kind of parts etc but it's not about that it's about me kind of getting out there and enjoying kind of my Porsche and yeah. and the lifestyle. Yeah. So off, off the back of that, while I was kind of, before I'd done any events, I was flicking through Instagram, kind of looking for pictures and stuff of kind of cool events. And I try and post photos, which have got kind of people in them. Cause I think that sort of tells the story really. Yeah. And I was finding a lot of profiles, which have got cool pictures, but also got loads of side shots. And I was like, I really like these. So I decided, I think November last year, so it's almost a year now. I was like, I've got to run a page. 
So because I had Stuttgart South, I was like, I'm going to have Stuttgart side shots. So I've posted something like 1,500 side shots, I think, in just less than a year. And, oh I'm, about, and I'm about 50 shy of 4,000 followers, I think. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, pe- people have got into it. I get people sending me photos from all over the world. Um, I've had people say, um, yeah, if you're ever in Canada, drop us a line. Um, guys who are in yeah Asia who seem to have kind of a whole car collection, they'll send me a different car every week. And you're like, is this yours? I'm like, yeah. Um, Brilliant. So, yeah, basically it's a whole profile of the same picture, but to a certain extent, um, but we obviously different cars, different backgrounds. The, yeah, the, the criteria being I've got to be able to crop it into a square I don't want to be able to see two headlights. I just want to be able to see one headlight. I don't want any bonnet badges. So it needs to be kind of side on. There's a lot of them where you, kind of people will just send you a, a front shot and you're like, the clue's in the name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I don't want to rain on your parade. It's a lovely car in that, but. All your life. It, all, all <laughs> yeah. The, um, but yeah, that's just a bit of a passion project and um, yeah, a bit of fun really. It kind of kept me sane while there wasn't any events yeah. going on. I've been following um, it. It's yeah. good. It's got some nice shots on there. I think you even posted up one of mine. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think you've been on there. I've, I've probably done one of these as well, I think. Amazing. Um, We've got one Sunday. If not, I'll send it over. <laughs> oh, yeah, perfect. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's give, a good uh, in- shot. Yeah. Give uh, Instagram a break from uh, this red 993 that's everywhere with the side strakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I made you message, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah cool <laughs> well i think it's worth pointing out to people listening at home that if they do want to have a look um, at the plethora of parts the website is heritagepartcenter.com um it's worth pointing out there is a nine works discount it's uh, not just for patrons it's for absolutely everybody associated with nine works uh, you just put in nine works 10 at the checkout uh for a nice little 10 percent discount there so thank you andy and the guys at heritage parts for that um, you can also browse uh, the range of products as well on uh, nineworks.co.uk. Um, yeah, I think I think that's about it, Andy. It's it's been like I say, it's really interesting to just find out how these these businesses work and how people like you supply enthusiasts like us with the parts for our project car. Oh it's, yeah, it's been good fun. It's always uh, yeah nice to catch up and have a chat. This episode is brought to you by our very kind Patreons. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to join them in supporting us, you can do so at www.patreon.com backslash nineworksradio.